Welcome to Pain and Dice, because games are fun, but sometimes hard. This is the first of three episodes we recorded of a Scion actual play. Scion was a game a number of us were interested in, but hadn't actually played. And also, we weren't sure how to release this, so we're just dropping three episodes all at once. The alternative was to put out one giant three-hour episode or to weave it between several other episodes and alternate between actual play and then other stuff. I'm a person who generally doesn't like to start a series until the season is over so I can watch it at my leisure, so we're giving the all-at-once thing a try. If you have strong feelings, tell us at Pain the Dice on Twitter, join our Discord through our webpage or through the show notes. We've been having a lot of fun sharing our recent game experiences, the Kickstarters we're backing, and the sweet loot we've picked up. And with that, game on. Let's open with setting the scene. The location is Wisconsin, Minnesota, a small town that was once an upper Midwest train junction of importance to the regional economy. And while the train junction is still operational, its importance has faded, leaving the town on hard times. The town is known for uh, old uh, dairy cattle ranching, although that, like the train yard, has fallen on hard times and only a few of the dairy farmers remain uh, with their herds of black and white cattle grazing the hillsides. And we open during the town's Midsummer Festival. Uh, Many people from Scandinavia settled in this region, and so uh, keep up traditions like Midsummer and Midwinter Festivals. But also, they have incorporated the town's large Chinese population as well, and they incorporate the Dragon Boat Festival into the Midsummer Fair. So there's a bit of syncretism in the modern town in uh, the racing boats along the river uh, at the appropriate time during the Midsummer Festival, depending on how the Chinese Lunar New Year has shifted, um, usually marking the, marking the opening or closing of the festival. We begin not at the festival, but with our scions uh, atop a speeding train intent on stopping whatever menace has been slaughtering cattle in the cattle car. Oh no. So this seems like a good opportunity to introduce our dramatis personae. So uh, let's let's go around and give a, a quick uh, introduction to, to each character, and we'll return to our speeding train. Let's just do the order that is in alphabetical. So starting with Josh. So I'm going to be playing Mark Connors, a scion of Thor who is a native of Wisconsin, Minnesota, and one of those cow, um, what's the right term, cattle farmer people. Mark Connors has been chosen by Thor to be a herder of mankind and finds himself frequently in situations where he has to literally punch one thing or another, like the old cow punchers. And he uh, does so with an eye towards helping people and has an uncanny knack for cross-cultural communication, which is strange for a Midwest farm boy, but something that he enjoys and finds himself leaning into. Juliana? I will be playing Ingmoth, uh, or Oath, if you're not her mother, Oath Anderson. She is a roughly uh, 23, 24-year-old um, grown-up mall goth, functionally with kind of swooping emo bangs over her uh, left eye that was scratched out 
by her dad's cat. Incidentally, her father is Odin. They don't get along great. She is usually followed around by her black dog Grimm, who I don't know if made it on top of the speeding train. Uh, I will leave that up to Chaz to determine. But she mostly inherited some uh, Norse sorcery from her father uh, and generally likes using that magic to make things easier for herself and possibly more complicated for everyone else around her. Monica. I am playing uh, Lyra James. Uh, She is the daughter of Kuafu. Her mother is a black mortal woman uh, who is a a, a nurse. Lyra herself is employed by the celestial bureaucracy, not by any mortal establishment. So we get paid in weird divine things like pretty regularly every other week. The celestial bureaucracy is very good at that (laughs) and and being on top of paying people on time. She is a tall person of like a, a sort of a warm brown skin tone, has was it type 3C hair in like a, a very stylized mohawk, very tall, very fit, peak resting bitch face, but is actually kind of nice, uh, whose job is to troubleshoot things for the celestial bureaucracy. So whatever is happening here is probably her problem, which is a job that she doesn't really like doing, but it's better than trying to find a job in an economically disadvantaged place like this, for sure. Also of important note, she has a dragon secretary who is like her connection and or manager to the, to the celestial bureaucracy. That's I believe they're actually followers, not a creature. Um, so they are a person, not an animal. I did not name them. So Chaz, feel free to name them. Uh, but I also imagine that the dragon secretary is not very big for like Mulan-esque shenanigans. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I have a, a a lesser banded gold rod, so you know the extendo pole that Son Goku had, and uh, some relic armor, probably acquisitioned from the Celestial Bureaucracy from the Netcher, because it is based from scales from Apep, if I remember correctly. And they probably were like, "Let's file the paperwork and borrow that from somebody else." Here you go. And so that's <laughs> that is why I have cro- some cross pantheon gear. Nice and uh, Terry. Hi, my name is Terry Robinson, and I am playing Leonard Huang, who is the embodiment of mild-mannered. They are a assistant vice principal at Rust Belt High, or uh, Wisconsin. Do we have uh, who works for the um, the the Fightin' Riveters? Yes, um, or the Fightin' Railhands. There we go with that. Either that, or we could lean into the comedic and do like. Um, the uh, the fighting hobos, I think that would be acceptable as well. I don't know how much you want to lean into it, but regardless, has the obligatory uh, design on the back of there. What is the most generic car? Uh, 2009 Honda Civic, um, silver, of course, and um, four speed. You need to need to save fuel um, and has like the little logo of the, the fighting hobo that was uh, drawn by a student any number of years ago that people were like, is that appropriate? And people are like heritage. It's weird. Uh, his family has been in the area for three generations at this point. They are still called like new because they've been here for less than two centuries. I'm kind of picturing Wisconsin, Minnesota as like a busted ass version of Duluth where it's like, ah, we have everything you could need except for these several obvious things that other places have better versions of. Um, (laughs) 
a weird thing happens like once you get west of the Mississippi where like every town has to have everything because there's nothing else close by until you get past the basin and range formations into California. I love it. Is a uh, stalwart of community organizing, uh, believes that his role in the celestial bureaucracy is to, whereas Monica's character tends to seemingly attend to the more supernatural side of things, I tend to deal with the much more mundane side of things, much more mundane kind of things. Uh, my character's visitation was a slow protracted period where while pursuing my PhD in education, it just got successively harder and harder riddles and more and more Byzantine bureaucracy to have to navigate until it was like, poof, I found my uh, my divine heritage. Is a little bit miffed um, as a scion of uh, Lousy. Normally, uh, women are tapped and Leonard kind of has the idea that originally his sister was going to be tapped, who died before he was born, um, just because the celestial bureaucracy tends to plan these things out very far in advance when possible. And I am both dealing with the fact that I am trying to carry on in the memory of a sibling I never met, but also don't quite comfortably fit into what is expected for someone of that role. Uh, my followers take the form of the county clerk's office, just this retinue of somewhat helpful people. People. Uh, they are probably not on the train car with us, although that would be amazing <laughs> if they were. <laughs> we're going to go with probably not here right now. Yes. And I have one or two relics that let me get away with more um, uh, sticky fingered shenanigans than an assistant vice principal probably should be able to, to get away with. I enjoy ice cream and a good pair of slacks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I definitely know your character in real life somewhere. Possibly several. <laughs> that is how generic he is. <laughs> so then we return to the top of the speeding train and you, you see several cars ahead of you. A, a dark shape rips open kind of the, the, the top emergency hatch and uh, like leaps down into one of the cattle cars. What do you do? Is oh, the train hell. moving? Yeah. Oh, yes. No, like a, a good 60 miles per hour train. Got it. Um, how far ahead was that creature? Like three cars. Then I think Mark is going to race after the figure, uh, leaping from car to car. Awesome. As a heroic scion, leaping from racing train car to racing train car is no challenge for you. Uh, and you, you make your way uh, up the train. What about the rest of you? Have any of you done anything special to prepare for this confrontation? My character, um, as is their want, before we went on this investigation, one of my relics is a copy of the uh, I Chang that was gifted, I think was gifted to me, that just kind of appeared in my presence. And as I was reading the hexagrams in advance, as I do for most of our missions, the general sense I got was speed, explosion, and uniform. So... <laughs> Um, my character is like, oh, this is interesting. So the, the three things I investigated ahead of time was uh, train schedules, fuel oil depots in the area, because I figure I should look in the worst case scenario. Also, how to operate the Honda Civic of trains, which I also assume this is. So okay. my character is still in like assistant vice principal attire, um, but you can tell that they're in an administration because they're wearing a long sleeve shirt instead of a short sleeve shirt and has a tie bar on. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to scream to everyone else, this seems like it would be easier if we were going less fast. I'm going to try and have that happen without fires. Um, and my goal <laughs> is to try and make it to the front of the train car to be like, hey, can we have this not move so much? Okay. 
So as Leonard is shouting, I'm going to make the train slower. I'm already chasing after Mark and I'm just like, which for our audience at home, I, I like leaned to the side and held up a thumbs up. Uh, but I also have, um, I believe I have Epic. Do I not have Epic Dex or just have Epic Strength and Stamina? How do just the Epic, epic stats okay, work? Okay, never mind. I was like, I have Epic Dex. So this, uh, uh, they are uh, purviews. You just get knacks with those like everything else or boons. Sorry. Yes. You get boons. Okay, cool. Uh, and every purview gives you an innate ability that doesn't cost anything. Uh, I think the epic strength one lets me use might for anything I want it want to use it for. Pretty much. <laughs> it's something like that. Uh, Seduce. With it's might. something like that. Yeah. Well, I wrote it. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's rattling around in there somewhere. Uh, the, but the epic dex one is graceful crane stance from exalted where you can just run on anything without falling off. But I don't have that, so never mind. But anyway, yes, I'm chasing Mark uh, with my pulling out, like, unclipping the the um, lesser gold-banded rod from my belt. It's <laughs> like a little keychain right now, just jumping up back up into, like, uh, cane size um, as I jump in after him. Nice. And, and Oath, what about you? Yeah, I think Oath is um, kind of the only one here, like, visibly being buffeted by the high-speed train. Um, so I think she is uh, very slowly, like, and very carefully um, moving towards uh, everyone else. Um, but she turns uh, to this giant hulking black dog, which I think kind of wasn't visibly apparent when um, we looked at all of the group, because he can also blend into anything, which is very unnerving. Um, and just goes, go. Uh, this dog is terrible, so his speed scale is one above ours. Um, and you just see this, this like black take off over towards um, this, the shadowy creature in a flash of uh, fur and teeth. I love the idea that like we see this um, as the train's entering like a tunnel, and so like you turn behind you, and and because it's dark, we just see like the glowing eyes of this of this hound, and then as the train is exiting the tunnel, there's a blur of shadow and darkness moving out of the tunnel ahead of of you, Oath, and and catching up with the other two, and we've got kind of got this like high angle looking down at the train with the the, the dog bounding forward. The, the dog's named Grim. Is that what I yeah. remember correctly? Okay, so so Grim uh, arrives just ahead of the two of you and, like, looks down into the train car um, as the, the other two of you arrive and hear, like, a, a bone-crunching munching sound uh, below. What do you do? Uh, so is, like... Is the 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 sound of someone clearly eating a cow um, coming from like the other side of a door or behind something? Is there some supernatural darkness? Uh, where do we hear the sound coming from? Like just below in the train car, whatever it is has ripped open the the top hatch, like the emergency escape from the, the train car. Okay, right. Just pried that open like a like a can. Yep. <laughs> And you you look down in, uh, and beneath you see uh, a lesser yagwai, a Chinese demon. The the demon has has uh, kind of mottled red skin, uh, shaggy black mane of unkempt hair, um, and jutting canine teeth uh, like a baboon, and is mm-hmm. is tearing at one of the cattle, uh, hunched hunched over, not aware of the the three of you, um, including 
uh, Grim, uh, looking down at it. So I'm going to stick my forefinger and thumb in my mouth and do one of those like really sharp whistles that I can't do in real life. <laughs> and thanks to my employee handbook from the Celestial Bureaucracy Dealing with Spirits Division, utter the demon-provoking phrase, uh, <laughs> which will get its attention to come at Mark and I. The Yagwai hears your, your order, uh, like jerks to a halt, kind of uh, pointed ears like a like a dog, kind of perking and then turning his whole head to look at you. Uh, and you see kind of yellow, uh, yellow eyes uh, narrow in on you and um, stand uh, looking like he's ready to pounce. Um, but with you up on that roof, uh, you've kind of blocked the easy egress and have the upper hand in taking action here. So this sounds like it is time for us to engage in an action scene, uh, meaning that we need to roll initiative. I don't think I've actually had that happen in a game in my adult life. Like that phrase has not been uttered until now. Really? Yeah. Huh. How about that? I think you'll be okay with the way Scion's initiative and stuff works. Is it popcorn initiative? I love popcorn initiative. Uh, no, it's an initiative roster, which is, which is pretty fun. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to say, okay. You're going to find out. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so roll an appropriate skill plus cunning. And the number of successes is going to, to set the roster. For every player slot on the roster, one of you gets to act. Yeah, so it, it's it's basically popcorn initiative that's more structured. We all roll and then get to decide in what order we act on, but it's based on our roles and the positions they're in. And what skill are you going to be using for for your initiative role here? Since that is variable depending on the uh, your approach and the the situation. So I'm actually going to to roll a cult uh, because I have a specialty in dealing with spirits. Yep, that that sounds fair. Uh, Oath is also rolling a cult because that's normally how she goes about attacking. Uh. For Oath, that is going to be uh, five successes. Wow. Yeah, the two tens exploded into two more nines. Nice. <laughs> wow. I was just about to be like, getting another success on re-rolling one ten is pretty unlikely. And then you were like, except yeah. that I'm going to break probability today. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I had Mark uh, roll uh, close combat, which seems appropriate for him. That makes sense. And I got eight successes. Uh, I got a whole one. <laughs> oh. My character does not skip leg day. Uh, and I am rolling cunning plus athletics and got five successes on five dice. One of those was an exploded 10. If my specialty applies, then I have two. Oh yeah, what do specialties do in this game? Well, I believe they specifically add enhancement, which is okay. a success that kicks in as long as you roll at least one success. Yes. How is something a specialty? If you have three or higher in anything, you have to choose a specialty. Oh, oh duh. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> I will summarize my question as duh. Yes, your specialty applies, Monica. And the Yagwai only got two successes, <laughs> uh, meaning that with players winning ties... We get to run the story and then come back to them. <laughs> yes, you guys get all get to go first. So who would like to act first here? Oh, okay. So there, there are five slots of which there are three players, the Yagwai, and then a player, and we get to pick who goes in what order within that player slot. Yes, only in this case, there are f uh, four player slots and then the Yagwai, because Monica's specialty applied. And she she also got two. Okay. So, who would like to go first? I, I know, uh, Maybe Leonard, since you are, are taking different action than the rest? Yeah, sure. 
You are trying to get to the front of the train, right? I make it, yes. I (laughs) I make it to the front of the train. I slip down between the conductor car, cursing about how it's very hard to get engine grease out of khaki. Um, And I land in my New Balances, like between the two cars, and uh, realize the door is locked and try and politely knock because I don't want to alarm the conductor despite the fact that I am on a high-speed moving train or high-ish speed. Uh, I assume they open the door. Otherwise, this would be remarkably narratively dull. Um, And my first request is, please slow down. You're near a school zone. (laughs) I will be glad to roll persuasion for that or just assume that in their kind of stymied days, they do so. Yeah, that that sounds like a, a persuasion plus presence to me. Yeah. So the uh, the difficulty here is is going to be two, and there is a a complication of one that he is going to radio it in first. Okay. So I got one success, but I would like to cash in the enhancement I get from me having used my relic, if that'll bring me to two successes. So I guess that means that it succeeds, but it still gets radioed in. Yes. And so that that's just going to delay it by a round for, for when this happens. Okay. And he says, uh, there aren't any on the map. I'm going to have to radio this in. What are you doing on my train? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and you, you have to spend like another minute like explaining something to him that is, is uh, with, with the train regulations that you looked up in advance uh, based on your reading of the I Ching are able to convince him that, yes, he does actually need to slow down. Just as a note, the I Ching suggested I read about trains. The I Ching itself did not give me information about train operation. It's not Correct. The, uh, <laughs> the, it is not quite the Junior Woodchuck guidebook of DuckTales. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So it, it is potent as a divination tool. But yes, um, I also would like to use this as an opportunity to, to use the greatest sci-fi excuse of all time of, there's no time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that five or six times, despite the fact that there's off and the person's just like, no, you need to tell me. And that's, that's how I lose the round of me just insisting that there's no time <laughs> until the point where I could have easily explained it in the intervening time. Excellent. So for the rest of you, what do you do? I was, uh, just looking up the guardian knacks and one of them, uh, says at the start of a combat scene, roll your knack skill with one enhancement. Um, I would like to do that if I may, uh, retroactively. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to uh, roll my knack skill um, and gain the following stunt uh, second win, which will allow me to heal a negative one injury you have taken, including injuries sustained by my armor. Nice. Remind me, uh, how do you choose a knack skill again? I'm, uh, I can just choose one and say this is my knack skill, correct? So there's, there's asset skills for each of the callings, but you can also justify something else. Okay. Um, this, to me, sounds like it's probably close combat. That's what I was going to argue for, but I just wanted to double check. And it would be a stamina, I believe, attribute. So with the knack skill, you actually roll the skill plus your calling, not plus an attribute. Okay. Thank you for reminding me about that. I only know because I have the document open in front of me here. (laughs) Great. That's five successes on that. Okay. Excellent. If you imbue a point of legend into something, you get that back at the end of the round combat thing yes you get it back at the end of whatever it is that you are doing 
So if you're imbuing something that gives you an active power, it stays imbued um, until you are done using that power. Okay. Many imbue effects last until the end of the scene, um, and some are discretionary. For kind of a little bit broader insight for anyone listening, legend is kind of the power trait for heroic scions, and they get a a point of legend which can be spent uh, for very powerful divine effects or imbued for temporary kind of magical effects that power their miracles. Oh, here's an important question since you just brought up power stats and fuel. Did we start with any momentum? Yes, you should start with momentum. Uh, The team starts with four momentum. Okay, cool. And I start with four tension. Uh, Momentum is what you need to power your knacks sometimes, so that's why I asked. Um, Yeah, so I think then uh, Oath from probably like 10 feet back, uh, she's not crowding around the little porthole looking down is going to imbue one legend to cast Way of All Flesh from her death purview. What this does is you sap a character's life force. All attacks against this gain the aggravated tag for one scene. When they take damage, they treat their defense and armor total as one point lower than it actually is to determine the injury complication. Does this just happen or do I roll for it? This just happens. You you leech away the, the life force sustaining the Yagwe beneath you in the train car, and there's kind of a, a rush of shadow at uh, that, that pulls at the flickering edges of this demon and, like, pulls out of the car in a whirlwind towards your outstretched hands, and you, you, you feel its life force slipping, slipping away and being cast into darkness of the underworld. The way Oath does her magic is kind of strange and weird, and I would like if the camera could kind of focus on that a little bit. Yes. Instead of, you know, just traditional, you know, wizard casts a spell, she kind of holds up both hands, taking one from the train, um, and starts to kind of move her fingers in almost as if she's weaving it at threads. And in a kind of uh, higher voice than she normally speaks with, in in a um, something that seems to be a cadence, she goes, Hey, shithead! Over here, yes, I'm talking to you. Watch your head, we hit hard. Better watch your back, better watch your back. And and you start to see the shadows pull out of it as um, she finishes up her incantation. Awesome. Your character sounded like they were doing that thing where someone tries to use a song lyric, but just says the words with like <laughs> no tonality to it whatsoever. A little bit. You better watch your back. Watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay, uh, that leaves leaves us our, our front-line fighters um, standing above the Yagwai, shadows pulling away from it. Uh, what do you do? Uh, Mark, would you like to take the first shot? Sure. So Mark, before leaping down, raises his fists in the air, and uh, I'm going to imbue a legend into pistons for fists. Nice which uh, my close combat and athletics attack rolls strike with incredible force. On a hit, you can either send an opponent flying back one range band or knock him prone. Since the Yagwai is still in the train, I'm going to be trying to knock it prone. Mark raises his hands and says, With massive might, I strike like the Midgard Serpent's demise. And then leaps down and hummels the Yagwai. That sounds like a close combat plus might to me. Well, that's a shame. That's only three successes on that roll. But the Yagwai's defense was three, reduced by one, thanks to the way of all flesh. 
So that gives you one success to spend on damage stun. Is defense value a drive stat? Yes, but it's just static for opponents. Okay. So I'm going to inflict one damage as my stunt. Then uh, he will be at a difficulty three to rise from prone for this scene or for this his next action. It's next action. Cool. You leap down, uh, fist hammering the Alguai that tries to fend off your attack, but but takes strong blows. You can feel the demon fall back under your assault. And with the lurching of the train, it stumbles back into the wall, tangled in the, the corpse of the, the cow that it had been munching on moments before your arrival. Lyra. Uh, I jump down after Mark, and as he power slams the Yagwai backwards and I have the same epic strength boon. I'm not going to overkill here yet. Instead, I'm I'm a little bit behind him, um, but I will ready the, the lesser banded rod, um, which suddenly shoots out to like twice the length of a normal staff, rocketing over Mark's shoulder to slam the Yagwai like in the, the jaw and knock it back into the into the wall of the train. Nice. Just using the, the relic itself to poke it from a, an extreme distance. That certainly sounds like a close combat. What what attribute do you feel like you're using? What's your approach here? Oh, might for sure. Okay. Uh, and even if you were like, eh, I would be like epic strength. Um, one of the things that I like about Scion is that you can make a case for, for doing something else there. So if you were like, that's wits for some reason, I'd be like, yeah, I could see that. All right, I only have two successes. Well, that, that is enough. Your, okay. your two successes lets you buy off the Yagwai's defense. Mm-hmm. And inflict injury condition is a zero point stunt. Yep. Assuming you have bought off the defense, so you you are you slam the rod into the Yaogui. Yeah, I will take I will take that. Uh, the Yaogui is uh, going to, to struggle to rise and attack uh, Mark, who is in the front there with his uh, claws and, and kind of long, uh, abnormally longish arms for a humanoid figure. He will need to buy off the prone uh, as a complication, and so is going to use his primary pool of uh, nine dice for rending and breaking. Nice. Oh, and those sevens do not count. No, they don't. <laughs> and that pre-rolled seven also does not count. Uh, so that is four successes. The Yagwai has to buy off the, the complication, rising despite the rocking of the train car. Mark, what is your defense? It is two. Well then, the Yagwai also has a plus two enhancement uh, as a martial artist. And do you have any soft armor? I do, yes. Uh, how much soft armor do you have? I th- believe it's just one. Well then, uh, that he has the remaining success, uh, inflicting the, the injury condition of bruised ribs as he slams his meaty fists into you. Ouch. Uh, starting up at the, the top, Leonard, you, you convince the train operator that the train needs to be slowed down. He, he radios it in, uh, begins the, the mechanism to slow the train, not slamming on the brakes, because that, that could be dangerous, uh, but, but gradually bringing down the speed. Okay. Because it's not that kind of emergency, despite your insistence that there is no time. <laughs> Is there a bullshit role I could use to gain enhancement for one of them? Because, like, the Yagwai's trying to get up, but the train slows down. Something, something, purview, order. I guess I'd have to make that a miracle, right? That that could be a miracle, yeah. Okay. I don't know how miracles work, so I won't do that. 
I'll look up how miracles work first. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Back in the train car, what would the rest of you like to do there? So I would like to use my A Fortress knack to uh, heal a negative one injury I have taken. Excellent. Uh, Mark is unstoppable, uh, shrugging off the Yaogwai's uh, blows that would, would have sent a lesser man flying. And I believe that is the only thing that I can do at the moment, unless that's reflexive. All knacks are reflexive unless they state it otherwise. Excellent. Yep. Boom. Then I'm going to punch this thing mightily again. Okay. And I have boxing as my specialty. I believe that should apply here. That that sounds sounds good to me. Yagwai's defense is still two, uh, as its life forces are still being siphoned away. That is uh, that is one total success. While your a fortress protected you from the Yagwai's blow, you were maybe not expecting it to be quite so quick on its feet for a a large and gangly creature. Um, And it fends off your blows with a a series of deft uh, counters. I'm imagining us uh, literally boxing with it just doing like uh, wax on, wax off. Yep, I'm kind of imagining that as well, with like the big gangly arms and the the the, the, the uh, gnarled black fingernails. Fantastic, Lyra. So while he is pounding the crap out of the Yagwai, um, I'm going to finish juggling it. I'm going to describe it as a series of blows, but it is of course one one roll where like I extend the pole and it knocks it up slightly into the air, ragdoll physicsing for a moment, uh, collapse it, fire it again, just to keep like basically smacking it against the walls of the train car simply by using the <laughs> the the rod extending in and out um, to continue to buffer it. Awesome. I realize it has a bunch of tags that I may have been forgetting to take advantage of. It has the stun keyword. Oh. When inflicting an injury with this weapon, it can be used to inflict minor injury conditions, bruised, staggered, stun, or the major injury condition, battered, when the character is taken out by a weapon with a stun tag, they are knocked unconscious. Okay, cool. It's very good. It's very good for keeping people alive. Yes, it is a beating people up weapon rather than a, a murder weapon. So we're we're having at it again. Ooh, look at all those tens. Ooh. <laughs> I wish this was an exalted roll, because look at all those tens. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine successes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wish I had one of the ones that let me spend a momentum to double it, because that would be really fun, but I don't. (laughs) Alas. You know what? I will inflict injury, uh, and then I will spend four more to critical, so I can do a second. Yes. And then I know I have a whole bunch of other weird options, uh, and I think I can actually buy some from um, Flatlander, from Liminal. Remember that the you have to buy off its defense first. Right. Okay, so two successes go away, right? And that's for the first inflict injury condition. Four go to critical. Yep. And that's a second inflict inj- injury. So that leaves me with three. And what would you like to do with those three? Glimpse the other side, where we now have to make a, cl- a clash of wills. Uh, and if the target fails, they are removed from reality, leaving play entirely until the start of their next turn. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> they re- okay. They- if I do this, if, if, if this is done before... Uh, the fight starts, like if you ambush someone with it, they still roll initiative as normal, but then they reappear where they were standing on their next action. An opponent removed from reality in this way cannot be targeted by any actions until they reappear. So it just poofs them for a moment while we figure out what to do. You punch them so hard, they exit this reality. I love it. <laughs> it is a liminal ability, so it's like bending the boundary between time and space and whatnot. 
the, the clash of wills is resolved by making an opposed rolls of next skill plus legend or calling dots, whichever is higher. If no next skill applies, substitute integrity. So I'm going to call this a cult for liminal. That sounds very reasonable. And my dealing with spirits um, specialty certainly applies here. And my calling dots are higher than R2, so they are higher than my legend. And while this doesn't say uh, what to do for an antagonist, um, I would use its most appropriate pool. Based on the things that this Yagwai is good at, I think this is a desperation pool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so five dice. All right. So I have uh, I have four successes. I rolled three plus one enhancement for my specialty. As you batter this Yagwai, it simply vanishes. Not in a puff of smoke. Not like it has. Or actually, you describe it. So how does this Yagwai vanish as you beat it with your pole? I like your suggestion that it just sort of disappears. Um, but it happens as like I, I'm batting it all around like a pool, <laughs> like a pool ball <laughs> on the corners of this thing. And then at some point it hits the wall and just sort of clipping errors through it and doesn't come back. Oh, God. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which I don't know if it has been knocked out because I think it probably has more health left. So I'm like, okay, I've bought us a minute. We need, a, we need to like, hopefully the train will stop. It is coming back. It's not gone forever. So we, I've bought us a moment to regroup. And I say that out loud so that everybody in the, the general vicinity can hear me. There's a very confused dog noise from Grimm as this just exits reality. <laughs> and, and I imagine Grimm uh, kind of jumps down, you know, like a dog jumping off the back of a pickup truck, how it's a little bit further than a dog would really like to jump, but will do so carefully and is now on the, the floor of the train car. Yeah, an oath slips down after him, yeah. Mark, uh, what do you do to prepare for this Yaogwai's uh, return? So Mark has had his shotgun, uh, Giant's Bane, on his back this entire time. He, he prefers to go in with fists, but uh, this is a relic, and he does use it when it's appropriate. And preparing and waiting for it to appear again, so he is prepped to shoot it in the face the moment it appears back in reality. And Lyra, are you doing anything else to, to be ready? I am probably setting the staff back to a more normal staff size and like staring at the corner in which it vanished, squinting at it because I know it's coming back. And so I'm standing there ready for it. I have the immortal knack there everywhere, which does not cost anything. So I will put that up, um, which turns the field I am fighting into into divine territory. And when an enemy enters my divine territory, I have the option to make one attack against them, regardless of which range man they have, enter have entered <laughs> uh, and may not be boosted by any extra attack actions. Um, and I can use this action to bop anyone who appears into this area, even if I have already taken my action this round. Okay. Uh, I can do this as many times as any enemies enter this field, which is the train car, but I can only make one attack per enemy. So I cannot like bop everyone indefinitely. <laughs> But if a second Yagwa shows up too, I can smack that one as well. Or if it returns from the void with friends or whatever. The Yagwa appears, and you described it as a clipping error previously, so it's like yeah. it's slowly rendering back in uh, this time. <laughs> and it has like its arms up over, over its face, uh, saying, I yield, I yield, in, uh, in, in old Chinese. Uh, I'm not sure I speak old Chinese. I, I think you know enough <laughs> I mean, so I guess I'll pull out my handbook. <laughs> Celestial bureaucracy <laughs> handbook. I mean, it's clearly like uh, it's clearly physically surrendering. So I'm not gonna smack it. Can I summon my dragon secretary to to translate for us? Yes. 
<laughs> yes, that sounds awesome. And I and I love so I love the the shot of like it has its arms up. I yield. I yield. And uh, we get that in subtitles. Um, and it's the subtitles where it's like. <laughs> A seal script Chinese, and then also the English underneath it. So, so you've got like the old Chinese characters to, to indicate that, that it is not modern Chinese. And then like we see from the Yagwai's perspective, um, uh, you with Mark with your shotgun, uh, Lyra with the pole, uh, and Oath like with shadows still pulling in from the Yagwai and, and the, the giant black dog in front of her. So we get that really good like, here are, our, here are most of our heroes um, shot. Uh, that happens like in the opening of a movie just before it rolls the title. And, and then we, we kind of pull out and see the whole train and see, see the title, which we do not yet have. But, uh, then we, we jump back in. It takes, it takes a few minutes for your, uh, dragon secretary to be summoned, I imagine. What, what pronouns does your dragon secretary use? Um, I was picturing he. Okay. But if you feel differently, go for it. He is fine. Uh, you said they earlier, and I remembered that, so I, I wanted to double check. That was a gender non-specific they. Like, if you had a cool idea for how you pictured this um, this dragon secretary, you could you could roll with that if you wanted to change its gender. But I I had been partic- picturing sort of a a persnickety little man. <laughs> yes, I, I, I like that for a dragon Perfect. secretary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you you speak the the words of dragon secretary summoning. And several minutes later, the form of the dragon secretary swarms in from uh, the, the train car above. He's about like two feet long, uh, little spindly legs, uh, like a proper Chinese dragon uh, with the antlers and everything, but mini size. She's totally like this big. <laughs> <laughs> like two feet long, yeah. So the dragon secretary swarms in, lands on your shoulder, and says, Yes, mistress. And looks over at the Yaogui uh, disdainfully. I'm like, what is he saying? They? What is it saying? What is this creature saying? It's surrendering, obviously, but what's it saying? The dragon secretary barks out a few words in, in old Chinese at the Yaogui, who, who responds with a little bit of urgency to, to the voice. And the, the dragon secretary looks very proud of himself, like sits up, like with the body curled and says, this devilish one issues peaceful surrender. He yields to you and submits himself to judgment before the bureaucracy. Oh, well, that um, is good. Ask him who sent him. There's a, a, an exchange back and forth between the two. Mark, you probably can recognize that the, the, the Yaogui looks confused. Uh, at the, the questions, given your your uh, great cultural understanding. But the dragon secretary responds, he claims it was just a place for an easy meal. Nobody sent him. Hmm. Mark's going to interject with a, uh, a one-liner here. Wisconsin, Minnesota is no place for a quick meal for your kind. <laughs> the dragon secretary looks at you, Lyra, like, sh- should I translate that? <laughs> <laughs> I was, mm, okay, sure, go for it. Like, uh, I shrug in a way that says yes with a question mark. Got it. And the dragon secretary, again, like, imperiously sitting on your shoulder, like, uh, rises up almost to his, his full full height with, like, little curled tail behind him and, and announces, like, arms on, on dragon middle, like he was holding his hands on his hips, but, like, that's not where dragon hips are. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you hear you hear amidst the old Chinese Wisconsin Minnesota. So you assume this this has been translated uh, appropriately. Uh, Leonard, would you like to arrive in scene at this point? No, I would actually. I think it would make more narrative sense if I arrived at the end. That way, I could be like, really, literally. My master's degree is in ancient Mandarin, and you called your dragon. You have my phone number. I'm on speed dial, and you still decided to summon a dragon? Really? This is the avenue we went for this? I, I love that. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, and then I look at uh, Oath, and I'm like, really? Sorcery for this? It's a train going through a cornfield. Why do you have to use sorcery to solve every problem? Maybe if you spent more time hitting the books and less time hitting the sorcery. It wouldn't take me two tries to graduate ninth grade. Um, and then I look at Mark and I'm like, hey, Mark, good work. <laughs> Something like that. Just one of the things where it's like, really? This is. <laughs> oh, gosh. That, that is that is great. I think I think you do arrive then. Okay, got it. So you, you arrive with this dragon, like making its pronouncement about wisconsin minnesota being no place for a, a quick meal and <laughs> enter your your tirade i would also like to make a note that my character also mentions no wisconsin minnesota is an amazing place for a quick meal and that you should consult our guide to local dining for more information on having a comfortable stay in wisconsin minnesota and and i just look around them like always be closing <laughs> and you're, I, you're I think, oh, go ahead go ahead go ahead oh no i i just think that Oath like looks over at him and like rolls her eye and just goes, I love the tourism. I I love the plugging of the town. I think that generally we should be aiming that towards humans who speak <laughs> something that isn't unintelligible. And I think in response to the tirade, uh, Grim just kind of does like whatever imitation of that in like a high pitched <laughs> voice a dog can do. <laughs> I'm like, do I sound just, like that? <laughs> nice. A little, a little bit. <laughs> you, you get shrill. <laughs> the Yaogwai is kind of ignoring you and still talking to the, the, the dragon. Um, and Leonard, while he's addressing the dragon, you can understand uh, what he's saying as well. And uh, he's explaining that, uh, no, no, he was told this would be very easy. He just had to wait in the tunnel and leap onto the train. And the cows would be free for him to get, to grab. Uh, seems quick and easy to him. <laughs> and then, like while this while this argument, I'm just the, the the single finger goes up. Look over at the demon. Who told you to be in the tunnel? I don't know his name. Now, uh, white man. They all look the same to me. <laughs> like white man in Minnesota. That narrows it down to everyone. <laughs> okay. Great. Uh, can you give us any more detail where you talk to him? Anything? Um, and, and at this point, I like to try and intimidate the demon. I'm pointing at my uh, assistant vice principal uh, badge that I keep on my breast pocket. Hmm. Why was that so funny? Which part? <laughs> I don't know. Just, just Josh and Juliana both both did the like. <laughs> so either that or actually said a- an ethics slur. Generally, generally, vice principals do not have badges. So I adore oh, no, the just... idea that you just made one yourself. <laughs> oh, not like a police badge. I meant like a faculty ID, like a laminated thing with my picture on it. But I Still do like perfect. the idea that I made a little police badge. <laughs> I like the idea that it's like an embellished um, uh, nameplate tag. 
Yeah, gold trim to it. It's it's. Yeah. You said badge, but I just imagined you just holding up your ID, like you know, you're the thing that lets you get in the building. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what my intent was. Oh, okay, <laughs> but I like the idea that I have a badge. I totally pictured like an actual badge. <laughs> okay, Holy that's stuff. canon now. Okay, I have a badge. <laughs> I think maybe it is. It's both like you have your ID card, but it's like you've put it into a like a leather thing that you've embossed something onto, <laughs> so it looks very official. Look it open like you're in the FBI. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you, you find that it works very effectively for for those with a guilty conscience. Oh yeah, actually, I I have that two point relic of Hall Pass. I feel like that should be part of that deal. I think it, that should be part of that too. For yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay. So this sounds like you are you are trying to get more information out of this uh, this demon here. Shit, yeah, I'm getting more information. This is this is going to only be a, a difficulty one roll because the, the demon has submitted. He does not want to get beaten by fist and pull uh, again while his life essence is being stripped, and so is very willing to talk. However. There is a, a complication, a <gasps> level two complication, that the information the demon presents is from the demon's perspective, and so needs some sorting through before it, it is uh, intelligible. Okay. Uh, what's your approach to getting this information out of him? Um, I don't like Monica's dragon. So, like, we, we have a somewhat standoffish relationship. Th- this is sh- purely envy on my behalf, that Lyra has such a direct connection with the celestial bureaucracy and everything I do is so indirect. So, normally, my character would resolve their way through this. Um, <laughs> but in this case, I'm trying to impress the dragon. <laughs> Uh, so this is going to be, uh, to me, cunning plus persuasion um, or cunning plus academics. Every possible skill I could apply to this, I have a three in. Okay. So. <laughs> I, think, I think persuasion is probably the most reasonable. So six dice for me. <laughs> and I get two successes. Do you have any enhancement on this in any way? Do you have a specialty in persuasion? For example, I do soliciting donations. Ah, which is not. <laughs> I don't think that one's going to apply. Like, would you care to donate some information towards the plot demon? <laughs> um, uh, the only other one I could think of would be empathy, spotting lies, but that doesn't seem to to really apply either. Yeah, I, I do have the overworld knowledge uh, knack, which lets me ask you one question. The other one is omniglot translation. I can just kind of translate anything into anything else. So the demon, the demon is um, overjoyed that he can talk to you directly. Um, it seems, and is willing willing to tell you every detail that he remembers. And so, as the train is slowly pulling into Wisconsin, Minnesota, you learn that the uh, Yagwai, uh, the Yagwai has been making a, a number of attacks on the train. Um, there were there were. Uh, two previous uh, attacks once as a as a coincidence twice as a pattern and and uh three times you wanted to make sure the demon was caught uh several weeks ago um while this demon was hanging out by the the great ocean which you assume is referring to the pacific so it's up somewhere on the the west coast it was approached by a uh sandy-haired white man who convinced uh, the demon, um, that this would be a good place to, to find a quick meal. 
really the, the the demon's descriptions are not very helpful for actually identifying this person but that's what you're you're able to to get is there any other specific details that you're looking for i guess i mean narratively i'm super curious if the demon had the ability to cover what would that be 1500 miles and this was the most convenient meal that they could get how they did that <laughs> but that may be missing the point yeah i guess the any distinctive features of the sandy-haired man uh, if possible, but yeah, if I, I could certainly see from the demon's eye view how that's how that's like to the demon that is stunningly accurate recall. The, the demon also says that the, the 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 man frequently displayed his teeth, which you take to mean that that he was smiling. Smiled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to this demon means something very different. Clearly, yes. <laughs> I like the idea that he's like uh, that. It was like uh, I believe this person was a scion of the Mouse Lord, and I'm like, okay, a Disney executive told you to do this. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, the all-consuming Mouse Lord. <laughs> oh God! So as that the train pulls into the train yard, the the demon has kind of um, pulled in and is now a a man in a trench coat that like just has an odd gait. To those of you who know that this is a demon, it's very clear that this is not not normal. But to a a like a passerby not looking not looking for demons, they they might not notice him. Um, they might just look the other way, being like, "Ooh, don't want to don't want to talk to that person." And there's a distinctive smell to the demon. You thought it was just the the blood from the cattle, but there's like a blood smell that you can you can all sense just pouring off this demon. North Yagwai, as you, you're leaving the, the, the train. Oath kind of, uh, once everything is under control, starts to like kind of pull and spin that uh, thread of like life leeching, basically, back towards her in a series of uh, hand motions as she's kind of waving this fog around. And you can see her kind of wrinkle her nose uh, and dissipate the last little bit of it as uh, it just reeks so heavily of blood. Nice, nice. And so since your legend was imbued in that, um, you recover it, and so have it to spend again as needed. Awesome. Is there anything anything else that you want to uh, do dealing with this uh, Yaogwai before turning it over to authorities in the Celestial Bureaucracy? No, turn it over to authority in Celestial Bureaucracy. So, like, we have hints of what we need to pursue. Sounds like we might be doing an investigation. Oh, actually, I think Grim, like growls just a little bit and Oath kind of goes, oh, did this white man smell like anything? Trying to get the sense of whether this might have been mortal or divine. I assume, Leonard, that, that you are translating for this uh, and you are not relying on the dragon secretary who is uh, bound to embellish slightly. Um, I'm going to translate the shit out of this. <laughs> <laughs> the demon uh, says, funny you should ask. He, he smelled like old sand under centuries of sunlight. I want to follow this Yogwai's Twitter account. He's got a way with words. That's good. <laughs> that sounds like... Can we make a what the hell does that mean roll? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... Sure. Would that be academics or occult? How many points of, of those skills do you have? One in academics and five in occult. <laughs> I think with five in a cult, I- I'm not going to make you roll for that. Okay. okay. Do any of you have the scent of the divine knack? Nope. Nope. I do not, but I also have a five in a cult. Okay. So <laughs> with, with a five in a cult, um, both of you recognize that to many 
uh, creatures of legend. They can sense the the other legends of the world in distinctive ways that kind of mark their origin or their character. And old sand under centuries of sunlight sounds like something that could apply to uh, the Egyptian pantheon. Uh, so a legend of Egyptian origin. I suspected. Huh. Well, we haven't seen any of those in a while up here. They uh generally a little scared of the weather. <laughs> is there a temple to the Egyptian gods in the area, or is that something that doesn't tend to be super around in this town. So we established that that the town had a number of neo-pagans, <laughs> as, as you may recall from Session Zero. That's going to be great audio when, the audio, when you say neo-pagans and everyone just laughs. <laughs> uh, the Egyptian pantheon, uh, beyond its uh, native worshippers, has a lot of popularity uh, among uh, neo-pagans. And so while there isn't like a proper uh, temple to the Netsir here, the, the neo-pagans do maintain like a, a public meeting space for their group that has shrines, including those to, to several uh, Egyptian gods, uh, Isis being particularly popular. I think there is a long drawn out sigh going, I think we might need to talk to the neo-pagans. Well, who's good at talking? Mark kind of looks at Leonard and says, You know, uh, Leonard usually knows how to get things done. Neopagans. The only thing they're worse at than history is making sure that they get proper zoning board applications sent in on time. I think it might actually be better if uh, I go try to talk to them. You guys seem like oil and water. Uh, just a quick question um, before I go and fuck this up. The two stats in talking to people would end up being, like, empathy and persuasion, right? Yeah, those are, are common talking to people stats. Cool. I have no persuasion, but I do have three levels in empathy, so maybe we'll get somewhere. Yeah. Persuasion is generally good for, like, getting people to do things for you, and empathy is good for, like, figuring shit out. So you, cool. you should, be, should be good. 